Okay, so we're actually holding by Shemin Asrei. Um, we touched on it in the last class, the last Fila class, but that's on page 97 in the regular Siddur, I think both of you have. Um, and that's the beginning of Shemin Asrei. We discussed um, a number of times that the essence of tefillah according to halacha is the Shemona Esrei. Now, truth to be told, the whole concept of words of davening and the whole build of the 18 brachas is, um, is, not, is, not, a, is not from, from Harsina. Um, we discussed at some point that there is a, um, the Rambam's opinion about tefillah. The Rambam says that the actual, the concept of prayer, he says, is a Torah commandment. There is a Torah commandment to pray to Hashem. But that commandment is not, doesn't have, doesn't come along with words or a special build or brachas or all of that. All of that was rabbinic. Um, you're sponsoring in honor yeah. of, in honor of? My mother's yurtai was on Shabbos. Was on Shabbos. Yeah, right. I was in New York. Right. Yeah. What's her name? Freda Ratzabas Rebbe Chiel of Ryan Fischel. Okay. Neshama Shevan Ali. Neshama Shevan Ali. So, um, okay, so we're, as we said, we're in the beginning of Shemina Esri. And we said that initially, for many, many years, you didn't always davened. And really, the Ovis davened, and the Moiz davened, and um, everyone davened. And then, after the giving of Torah, we definitely davened. There's a mitzvah from the Torah to daven, at least according to the Rambam. But who are the ones who actually wrote the brachas, the, the, the Shemona Esri, the 18 brachas, which later became 19, was the Anshe Knesset Sagdoila, the men of the Great Assembly. Right? And they were the group of uh, Chachamim that were headed by Ezra, Hasefer, and Nehemiah. But even someone like Mordechai from the story of Purim was also in that group. Mordechai and Daniel and Hananiah, Mishal, Azariah. This is a great uh, group of rabbis and tzaddikim and neviim that they led Klal Yisrael to build the second base of Mikdash. And one of the greatest things that they did was they, they established the words of davening, the words of the brachas that we have. So they established Shmanasri, the 18 brachas of Shmanasri. Now, so, so we mentioned, I'm just reviewing, that Shmanasri is really made up of three parts. It's really a three-part um, prayer. There's the first three brachas, there's the last three brachas, and there's the whole middle. So if initially it was, it was 18, so it was 3, 12, 3. So did they, did they uh, institute the davening formula because they built the basic Mikdash and they wanted to no, down no, no. that it way? Wasn't be, it wasn't no, because, that. not really, no. Okay. The reason that they formulated in that way is because Klal Yisrael had, had scattered now and the people spoke all different types of languages and it wasn't under one, you know, as long as the first basic Mikdash stood, we were one nation basically in one place with one leadership um, and we were sent here in Yerushalayim. Once you have the Khurban, Kalisol is really going to be all over the place. And even when the second base of Mikdash is going to be built, most of the Jewish people don't even go back to Eretz Yisrael. So it's really much more diversified and people don't speak Hebrew well. So they wanted to create much more of a, of a davening that is, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Universal. Universal, unified, formal, that everyone should say the same thing. And that's what they did. And that's where they created the Shimon Asri. But, but they based it on a three-step principle, which was even before the Shemona was written, all the way back, 
Davening always had three basic components. And the three basic components were Shevach, which is praise, Bakasha, which is request, and Hoda, which is thanks. That was always the three cardinal um, ingredients to a prayer. Again, praising Hashem, asking of Hashem our needs, our bakashes, and thanking Hashem for what He gives us. So when they created the Shemona although they were writing out a bunch of different brachas, but really they were following that formula. And that's where we have the idea of the first three brachas, the middle section of 12 or 13, and the final three. The first three brachas are primarily about shevach, primarily about giving Hashem praise. The middle section is primarily bakoshes, which is requests, uh, which we're going to run through a little bit, the brachas of requests. Um, and the final three is really about thanking Hashem. And, and that's why, as we've mentioned, when it comes to Shabbos, for example, what happens on Shabbos to the Shemun The first three stay untouched, the last three stay untouched, and the middle is totally removed and replaced with one Shabbos bracha. And the same is with Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur or Pesach. Whenever you have an abnormal day, so to speak, or holier day, so we take out the request element and we replace that with a bracha that is about the Kedusha of that day. So again, the first three and the last three are always going to be the same. Every, every day of the year. Hot water? No, I have a pen. Oh, look, because there's hot water in the sink. Can you ask me to tell? Here's a pen. Yeah, I have a paper. I didn't, my, this was my travel purse. I don't have my stuff in it. <laughs> oh, your mom was coming from the airport? I went light. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> Last night, but it's like I didn't change anything yet. <laughs> so my sitter, I use my phone sitter. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so 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 this is really the the formula of Shmonasri always. The first three, the last three, and the middle section, which is the bakoshes, which is the requests. Um I want to get look today a little bit at the middle section of Shmonasri, which is the requests. Um, which really begins, if you break up the Shmonasri in that way, which bracha begins the middle section of Shmonasri? Is the bracha that starts with the words, Ata chonin Adam das. Right? If you look, again, if you look into our sitters, if, if we break it down, what are the first three brachas of Shmonasri? The first one starts, Baruch Ata Hashem, and finishes, Magin Avraham. That's the first bracha, right? Um, the second bracha, Starts with Ata Giber Lolam Hashem and finishes Baruch Ata Hashem Mechaye Hamesim. Right? The resurrection of the dead. That's the second bracha. The third bracha of Shmonasri is Ata Kadosh Vashimcha Kadosh and finishes Baruch Ata Hashem Hakel Hakadosh. That's the end of the first three, which are again, they're the untouchables. That's every day in Shabbos and Yom Tov. That's the first three brachas. Um, in fact, interestingly, if one were to make a mistake during the first three brachas, or if you lose your place, or you, something happens, where would you start over? From the beginning. Because the first three is like one body. It's like one long bracha, one long, one, one idea is the first three brachas. And they're all the shevach, again, they're praises to Hashem. That's the first three brachas. From Atachonin starts the middle section of the Shmonesrei, and that's the requests. Am I being clear? Right. Let's 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 count it out for a minute. So where are the requests? You have Atachonin is one. Hashivenu is two. 
Slachlanu, three. Re'ena ve'anyenu is four. Rifa'enu is five. You following? Right? That's five. Barichalenu, number six. Tikabishofar Gadol, number seven. Hashiva Shoftenu is eight. Vilam al Shinim is nine. Al Hatzadikim, ten. Vilirushalayim Ircha, eleven. Estsemach David Avdecha, twelve. Shmakolenu, thirteen, and final of, the, of that section. Shmakolenu, which finishes with Baruch Atah Hashem Shomea Tefillah. So from Atachonin Adam Das through Shmakolenu, Baruch Atah Hashem Shomea Tefillah, is the body, the middle section of Shmona Esrei, and that's where we go through our Bakoshos, the requests that we ask in Shmona Esrei. Right? Then we start with Say Hashem, and that starts the final three, which is Hoda, primarily it's about thanking Hashem. Right? And that's from Ritzei until Modim is number one of the final three. Modim until Sim Shalom is number two. And Sim Shalom is the final bracha of Shmon Esri. Baruch Hashem, HaMevarich is Amo Yisrael Bashalom is the final bracha. Then we say one more paragraph, but that's not one of the brachas of Shmon Esri. When was the 19th bracha added again? Okay, I'll get, I'll get to that. As we, as we work through them, I'll, 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 we'll see that. But this is the bill, okay? Three, thirteen, three. And again, the first three uh, requ- uh, praises, the last three thanks, and the middle thirteen requests. That's the general bill. Okay, let's again, let's zoom back again and look at the middle thirteen. Let's, let's, before we start going in detail, what are the basic requests? There's thirteen brachas of requests. What are they? And I'm not going to read all the words. But if we would have to label each bracha and say, this is a bracha requesting what? So let's start from the first. Again, Atachonin, which is on page 98, the second paragraph. You may have a different sitter, right? Are you, oh, yeah. But you're following? Okay. So what's the first bracha we ask for? What's the first request in one word? Knowledge. Wisdom. Seichel. Wisdom, knowledge. Uh, that Hashem gives us das. Um, okay, wisdom or understanding or knowledge. Interesting. That's the first bracha. We'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. But I'll, I'll get back to that. What's the second bracha? For tshuva. Mm-hmm. That Hashem should help us do tshuva, return us to Torah, to serving Hashem. So if the first bracha, if we're giving them, we'll, we'll name each bracha with one word. The first one is wisdom. The second one is tshuva. Okay, what's the third one? Slach lanu? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Atonement. Okay. What's the next one? What's 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 request number four? To redeem us. Redemption. Is but Geula, but we'll see it's personal redemption. Yeah. We're not yet talking about Klaal redemption, which we talk about a lot in the coming brachas. We're we'll notice that these brachas so far are very personal. Right. So Reina is personal Geula. So that was number four, right? I'm, I'm, I'm reviewing. Number one is wisdom. Number two is tshuva. Number three is slicha, which is atonement. Number four is personal geula. Okay. Number five? Refuah. Health. Health. Mm-hmm. Healing. 
Number six, Baruch Halinu. In one word, Parnasa. That Hashem should give us our basic needs that we need. Um, all type of tivua, to give us rain, and to give us to be full. Um, it's Parnasa. Okay? So that, how many did we do? We did six. Mm-hmm. We did six. Now, these six are bakashos that are personal. The next seven are going to be bakashos that are more collective for Klal Yisrael. So we'll see, even the middle section of bakasha is really divided half and half. The first part of bakashas are personal bakashas that I should have seichel, Hashem should help me do tshuva, Hashem should forgive me, Hashem should give me geula, Hashem should give me refuah, Hashem should give me parnasa. So the first six of the middle brachas are bakashas, what we might call in Hebrew, bakashas pratios. What does the word prat mean? Personal, individual, specific. Now we'll notice that the next seven are much more general and collective for Klal Yisrael. So what are they? So number seven is the ingathering of the exiles. Um, we might call that kibus nidche Yisrael. The the um, you know we're in Golos, and therefore we're all over the place. And to be gathered back to Eretz Yisrael. So the first one of the collective bakashos is kibutz Goliath. The ingathering of the exiles. The next one, number eight. After we're all gathered to Eretz Yisrael, we're able to have again the Sanhedrin. We're able to have our central court, our central shayftim, our judges. So really after we're asking that we should all be able to be brought back together, so then we have our leadership again, and we have our shayftim, we have our shayftim, we have the ones who, who lead us and rule over us, so really it's a bracha for the Sanhedrin and for uh, Jewish leadership, real Jewish leadership. Okay, which brings us to the next one, which is number nine, and this is the 19th. And as this is the one that was instituted a couple of hundred years later, we'll discuss that. But we'll get to that. But before, before the history of it, what's, that, what's the next bracha about? The bracha of Lam al-Shinim? It's to get rid of our enemies. In other words, as, as Hashem gathers us together and Hashem gives our own judgment, then we have those are the enemies and those are there to hurt us and want to hurt us. And we ask a bracha that Hashem should remove those who are enemies of Klal Yisrael from being able to hurt us. And that's Balaam al-Shinim. Which brings us to the next bracha, which is a special bracha for our tzaddikim, for the tzaddikim, for the righteous, um, in this bracha, we actually ask that we be connected to our tzaddikim, which is a very special part of a bracha where we actually ask Hashem that even if I'm not a big tzaddik, but I should be connected. I should let myself be connected and let myself be led by our tzaddikim. And that's all in al tzaddikim. So I lost my numbers here. Where am I holding? In numbers? That was 10. That was 10. Yeah. That was number 10, right? Um, let's let's stop for a moment, just to just because there's so many numbers here. Let's let's give them each, review one word per bracha. The first of the middle is wisdom, tshuva, um, atonement. Slicha. Okay, slicha is atonement, right? Okay, so listen, wisdom, um, tshuva, atonement, which is slicha, geula, refuah, parnasa, um, 
Kibbutz Galayos, the ingathering of the Galasin, the return of a Sanhedrin leadership, um, the removal of our enemies, the destruction of our enemies, and a special bracha for the tzaddikim. Okay, so that was number 10. Next, the rebuilding of Yerushalayim, which when we talk about the building of Yerushalayim really is referring also to the building of the Beis HaMikdash, that's the whole build, the rebuilding of Yerushalayim. So we came back to Yerushalayim and we have a Sanhedrin, but the actual rebuilding of Yerushalayim to make it back our center, our home, as it was, is number 11. Mm-hmm. Number 12, a specific bracha for Mashiach, the actual Melech Mashiach. Because even though we might come back to Eretz Yisrael and rebuild Yerushalayim, but that's just the era and what's going on at the time, but there's a special bracha for the one who's going to lead that and bring us to there, and that's Mashiach himself. And that is the twelfth of the brachas, which is all about Asamach David Avdacha, the um to the, the growing of David, your servant. David, your servant is Mashiach, who's called Mashiach Ben David. The Mishuasacha, his crown should be upraised in your salvation, etc. That is the um what was that, the twelfth? The 12th of the middle brachas was the bracha for Mashiach. And then there's the 13th and final bracha of that middle section, which is the bracha for? For everything. It's a general bracha asking Hashem to hear our tefillahs. So, you know, there's, uh, if anything wasn't specifically mentioned until this point, um, this is the general bracha for listening to our tefillahs. And um, just interestingly, halachically, this is a very important bracha. This bracha carries, in a sense, more weight than all the others because it's general. It includes all of our tefillahs. In fact, to answer amen on this bracha, shomea tefillah, is more significant than to answer amen on the other brachas. So let's say I'm, I'm davening. Let's say I'm, while the chazan is saying over Shemun Esri, I'm davening on my own. So I might not stop to answer amen for all the other brachas, but for shomea tefillah I will. Because this is a very powerful bracha about asking Hashem to listen to all of our tefillahs. Now, just to give you a halachic, um, halachic idea, um, let's say I want to mention something personal in Shmon to Hashem. May I? Let's say um, someone's sick, someone in the family, someone is sick, and I want to ask Hashem for that person individually. May I mention their name in Shmon I thought yes. So the, the general rule in halacha is that you're allowed to mention any specific or personal bakasha that you have, but you have to mention it in the appropriate bracha. So if it's for someone sick, which bracha does that belong in? Rafainu. Let's say I feel that there's a certain avera that I, I need a special kapara for. Where, where might I mention it? In slachlan? For slicha. So what do you do? You just mouth it? You, you could mouth it. You could say it in Hebrew. You could say it in English. It's, so it's, you you're allowed. You could have it in mind. That's simpler for most people, right? Instead of knowing exactly how to say what to say. What if I need a special bracha for Parnassah? Baruch What if I have a very big uh, test that I, exam that I have to pass I need a special bracha for Seichel? Atachonin ladam das. Right? What if I'm right now I feel the need for Mashiach like nothing else? So, Esamach David Abdacha. Right? So this is normative halacha in Shulchan Aruch, that one may add into their Shemana Esri any particular bracha 
or bakasha, any little request that they may have, and the appropriate time to say it or to think it or to mouth it would be in that bracha that deals with this particular issue. However, there's one bracha in which I can mention whatever I want. Shomei tefillah. Because of its general nature. We're asking for Hashem to hear our tefillahs. So whatever tefillah it's going to be, it's, that's going to be the right place for it. Because Shomei tefillah is the right place for it. Is there a certain place in the bracha where you should... So typically you would do it before the end, before the bracha ending, right? Before baruch, or really like in shomea tefillah, it would be before um, kiata shomea, before before the words that lead up to the bracha. You see where it says kiata shomea tefillah is called baruch Hashem. Before ki would be the appropriate place. Um, now, of course, all of these personal requests would only be done in this section of Shemona Esrei, right? Not in the first three brachos or the last three brachos, which, as we already said, is not about requests. That's about praising Hashem. That's about thanking Hashem. So that wouldn't be the appropriate place. But in these middle section of these 13 brachos, which is about requests, here it would be um, okay and appropriate for one to either think or even say their personal request in the appropriate bracha, or in Shomei Tefillah, which is general for all brachas. Now, let's talk for a moment about that extra bracha that got it added in. Because this middle section, as we said it now, was 13 brachas. Initially it was 12. When the Anshek Nessa Sagdola made it, it was 12. Um, many years later, there was more and more um, enemies of the Jewish people. Many of them were from within the Jewish people. Um, and many of them were the early Christians. In the time of the, historically, the early Christians, many of them were Jews. Um, and that was a terrible tsar. So it was in the time of the Bezdin of Rabban Gamliel. Now, Rabban Gamliel lived after the destruction of the second Beis Hamikdash. So if we do uh, some very basic mathematics here, the ones who instituted the Shemona Esrei were the men of the Great Assembly. The Anshek Knesset, the pen's not working? No. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't have a little bit. I So the, the men of the Great Assembly were the ones who built the second Beis Amikdash. Rabban Gamliel lives after the destruction of that Beis HaMikdash. So the second Beis HaMikdash stood for 420 years. Um, so we're talking about a period of about 400 years um, after the Shemona Esri was already written that Rabban Gamliel then, who is the head of the Bezdin, in fact, he's the head of the Bezdin in a place called Yavne, right? the first place where the seat of Jewish leadership um, moved to after the destruction of the second Beis HaMikdash was Yavne. In fact, there's a, a famous story, likely you've heard it before, and that is when the, the, the um, de facto leader of the Jewish people, when the second Beis HaMikdash was being destroyed, was Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, right? Because really, let's do a, take two, three minutes here, some interesting Jewish history of the time. Um, the the Nassim, all the, the Nasi of the Jewish people in that era was always descendants of Hillel, right? 100 years before the destruction of the second Beis HaMikdash, the Jews were led by the great Hillel. He's known as Hillel, or Hillel Hazokin, Hillel the Elder. 
Um, Hillel is the one who was known for his piety and for his Abbas Yisrael and for his humility. One of the greatest leaders of the Jewish people. Like Hillel and Shammai? Right. From Hillel and Shammai, same thing. Mm -hmm. So Hillel was the leader. Once he became the Nasi, successively, for many generations, the Nasi was all in his family. His son, his grandson, his great-grandson, his great-great-grandson. For, for, for probably 300 years. It was like, like, like the Alter Rebbe, the Mithra Rebbe, right? It's, all, it's like family. So that's what you had then. Hillel, Hillel's son was Shimon, Shimon's son was Gamliel. And that went for many, many years. Now, during the era that led up to the destruction of the second Beis HaMikdash, so the Romans killed the Nasi who was alive at that time, and that was Hillel's grandson. And his name was... Shimon. In Hillel's line, just like in the Lubavitcher Rabbein, right? You have a few, two Menachem Mendels and three Dove Bears, right? So in Hillel's family, there's also some names that are over and over. And the two big ones are Gamliel and Shimon. There's like five Gamliels. It's always confusing when you're learning Gemara, as Rabbi Gamliel says, which one? So there's, there's rules about it. But, so Hillel had a son, Shimon. Shimon had a son, Gamliel. Gamliel had a son, Shimon. Shimon had a son, Gamliel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got the picture? Mm-hmm. Now, the seventh of that is Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, who, who's going to be the one who writes the Mishnah, the first book of the, of the Torah Shabalpeh. <clears throat> right? Okay. But when the, the Romans killed Hillel's great-grandson, Shimon, before the destruction, and the Romans had a rule that when they killed the leader, they also had put out a death sentence for anyone in his family. Okay? So Shimon's son, little son named Gamliel, which is really Gamliel II, was taken into hiding. So now the Jewish people are surrounded by the Romans. It's almost Tishabab, the base of is going to be destroyed, and their leader is in hiding. Well, their leader is killed, and his son is in hiding. So which tzaddik becomes the de facto leader of the Jewish people at the time? Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. Now, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai is not part of the Hillel family. That's why his life is not in danger. But he becomes the leader of the Jewish people. At the time, in one of the most difficult and dangerous and pivotal times in our history. Now, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai famously has himself smuggled outside of the walls of Yerushalayim because he wants to go, go meet the Roman general that's leading the, um, the siege on Yerushalayim. How does he have himself smuggled out? He lets out a um, message, everyone hears that he died. And his two most trusted Talmudim carry him out on a... In a coffin. In a coffin. Yeah. In a coffin. So, uh, uh, ostensibly to, to bury him. And that's how they smuggle him out. His two great Talmudim are Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yeshua, who are going to be his successors later. So well, they, when they came to the door, to the wall, to the door, they said we have to take out our leader. So the the Romans said, well, we have to make sure he's dead. So let's put let's put spears through him. So right away, someone said, no, but they're going to say that you you put spears through the body of the Jewish leader, or uprising, or whatever. So they didn't. And then he said, let's at least push him around to see if he's really dead. So again, someone came and said, no, 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 but but uh, maybe he was a malach. But maybe they'll you know they'll say you pushed around the body. Point is, they let him out. And that's how he smuggled himself out. And he smuggled himself out, and he went to the encampment, and he went to the leader of the Romans. And that was a Roman general named Aspasionus. 
um, where he's called Vespasian. And that whole conversation, which the Gemara relates at length, and it's very fascinating, but I, I don't want to go into all the details. But the point is that this Vespasian was very, very impressed with Rabbi Yochanan Mazakai. And he granted him, he said, ask me for three wishes. And those three wishes I'm going to grant to you. But don't ask that I shouldn't destroy Yerushalayim. Because that's what I'm here for. Right? So that I'm not going to give you. So what were the three wishes Rabbi Yochanan Mazakai asked for? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> what three wishes? So the first wish he said was, Remember, there's the, there's the son of the Nasi who is in hiding, right? Rabban Gamliel. He says, save Rabban Gamliel. That death penalty, that death sentence that's out there for the son of the Nasi, let that be rescinded. The second thing he requested was that there was a great Sadiq of the time who had been davening for 40 years and fasting that Yerushalayim shouldn't be destroyed. And at this point, he was emaciated. He was very, very ill. He says, send me the best doctors for Rabbi Tzadok. Rabbi Tzadok was the name of that great Sadiq. And the third thing he asked for is, he says, you know, I see that Yerushalayim is going to be destroyed. We need a new place for the leadership of the Jewish people. We need a new place for the, for the yeshiva, for the Sanhedrin. So give me the city of Yavne. And that is where Jewish leadership and Jewish scholarship and the Tamil Chachamim and the yeshiva was going to be reinstated. And this Roman general, Vespasian, who later became the Roman emperor, um, granted those three wishes. And he said that Rabbi Gamliel's life would be spared, and he brought in the, the royal doctors for Rabbi Tzadok, and he granted them the city of Yavna to replace the seat of leadership of Yerushalayim. If you think about it, what's the common thread of the three requests that Rabbi Yochanan Mazakai asked for? Continuing Jewish leadership. Jewish leadership. In other words, he understood that as long as we have our Torah and our leadership, we're alive. We might lose our city. We might lose the building of the Beis HaMikdash. But if our Torah leadership is there, if our teachers are there, if our Nasi is there, then we're going to live on as a nation and we'll have the Beis HaMikdash back. And Rabbi Yochanan Mazaka, in this tremendous insight, was able to see that. In the moments of destruction, you see Yerushalayim is crumbling, Beis HaMikdash is being destroyed, Golos is coming on full force. He says, but we need our tzaddikim. We need the Nasim, we need the teachers, we need the yeshiva, because that's going to keep us one nation. How far was Yavna? Where is Yavna here? That's a good question. <laughs> Not very far. I, you know, I'm, I, you know, today by today's uh, in today's means of transportation by car, I'm sure it's less than an hour from Yerushalayim. But was it uh, near to Shiraz? Oh yeah, sure, sure, far away to Shiraz. Um, I don't know exactly. I don't think I've ever been to Yavna, but I did hear from someone who was there, and he told me that Rabban Gamliel's kever is there till today. Mm-hmm. The people go there in Yavna. Yeah, where we went into caves, but I can't remember. I, to I, I, don't myself, I don't recall myself being there. But anyway, so what happens is that the yeshiva is relocated to Yavna, and Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai becomes the head of that yeshiva. And then he's joined by young Rabbi Gamliel, mm-hmm. who is the son of the Nasi, the successor, yeah. who, the successor, who then becomes the Nasi. And, and he, they work together, Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Yochum Hazaki work together and had the yeshiva in Yavna. Then Rabbi Yochum Hazaki passes away and Rabbi Yezir and Rabbi Shua take over. Then Rabbi Akiva. I mean, there's a whole succession over here. So now we're holding after the destruction of the second Beis HaMikdash. So we're talking about f- over 400 years from when these tefillahs were instituted. And it's at this time that Rabbi Gamliel makes this determination that we have to add a bracha to Shemun Because the um, 
the enemies of the Jewish people are just getting stronger and it's becoming more and more difficult. Um, and for a host of reasons, but basically it's just a very, very terrible time, very difficult time. You have to understand this is during the time of the Asara Harugi Malchus, the ten martyrs. Right? The ten martyrs of the Romans. And we talk when do we talk about the ten martyrs? We talk about it on Yom Kippur and Davani and on Tishabov. Now, when you read the story in the Machzer, it sounds like it happened in one day. Like they took out one, they took out a second, they took out a third. But really, historically, that's not the way it was. It happened over a period of 100 years or so, during that destruction of the Besamekdash and afterward, mm-hmm. when they killed Rabbi Kiva, and Rabbi Chaneim and Tragi, and Rabbi Ben Buta, 100, 120, 130, I don't know exactly, but it was over this period of time where there was terrible xeris against the Jewish people. Uh, during this time, you have the story of Bar Koichva, where the entire Beitar is going to fall. When Beitar falls, it's in, in Jewish history, that's akin to a churban besamikdash. Half a million people are killed when Beitar when falls. So all of this is in a very terrible time for the Klal Yisrael. And, and again, a lot of the terrible things happen from Jewish people who go off, and again, you have the, uh, you have the, the early Christians, which is a breakaway from Yiddishkeit. Really. Um, and that's why Rabbi Gamliel is going to create this bracha of Vilam al which we said is bracha number, was it nine of, this, of the middle section? Let's see. Nine, yeah. Right. Bracha number nine of the middle section of Shemun Esri. Interestingly, who does Rabbi Gamliel actually commission with writing the bracha? Who actually wrote it? Because Rabbi Gamliel was the leader, and he made the determination that we have to make this new bracha. But who does he hire to write it? He doesn't, he doesn't you know, look for a writer, um, you know, a secular writer. Who's going to write the bracha of La Malshina? So the Gemara says something very interesting. That there was a great tzaddik at the time who's known, he's called Shmuel HaKotan. Shmuel the small one. Why is he called Shmuel HaKotan? Short? Why is he called Shmuel HaKotan? So the simple pshat is, he's Shmuel HaKotan, that's to differentiate him from the great, the famous Shmuel, the prophet Shmuel, the Navi. Right? You have the Navi Shmuel way back in history. So this is the second, this is the small Shmuel, the second Shmuel. Junior, right? <laughs> right. Similar to Hillel, we said it's called Hillel Hazakin. Why is Hillel called Hillel Hazakin? To differentiate him from another one that came much later. So that's an upshot level. Shmuel Akatan is Shmuel Junior, second Junior. Second Shmuel it is. But the MS is, there's a much deeper upshot. And that is that Shmuel was known for his humility. And he was called Katan because he held himself small. He always saw himself as the smallest of people. So that's why the name stuck, Shmuel HaKatan, Shmuel the Humble One. So it's this Shmuel HaKatan that Rabbi Gamliel commissions with writing this brach. Why dafke him? Why was it dafke this tzaddik, Shmuel HaKatan, that writes this brach? So it's a very beautiful idea that I want to share. And that is, you know we have in Pirkei Avos, Pirkei Avos we have statements from a lot of different tzaddikim, right? Hu haya Omer, hu haya Omer, each tzaddik what he said. There is a statement in Pirkei Avos, Shmuel HaKatan HaYomer. What did Shmuel HaKatan say? He said a statement. The statement was, Binfol Oyivcha Al Tismach. When your enemy falls, don't rejoice. That's what he says. Now the question is, this is a big, the question that the commentators ask, Shmuel HaKatan said that? It's a Pasuk. It's actually a Pasuk. Binfol Oyivcha Al Tismach is a Pasuk in Tanakh. So what does it mean Shmuel HaKatan said that? The answer is, it's not that he said that. He lived it. He, um, he personified it. Shmuel HaKatan personified that type of a person that would never rejoice when his enemy fell. 
Why not? Because he was a humble person. He was the ultimate of humility, as indicated by his name, Shmuel HaKotan. And therefore, he would never rejoice because his enemy fell. So it's written, that's why it was Dafka, someone like this, who could write such a bracha. Because think about it. What's unique about this bracha? Vilam al It's a bracha we're davening that our enemy should fall. We're davening against someone. That's very unusual. Normally we daven for Hashem to help us with this, help us with this. It's a very negative bracha. It's a, it's a, it's a bracha asking for the destruction of others. Who is able to ask such a bracha and that his bracha should be accepted? Only someone who takes no personal gratification in the fall of one. When it becomes something personal, then that's not a pure bracha. Yeah, Hashem, I want you to, to knock my enemies and I, I love when my enemies fall. Then it's a personal thing. Only a person who is 100% L'shem Shemayim. When, when he is, when he pers- when, when Shmuel Anavi, as we said, personifies that, that idea of ben foil oyev chal tismach, that he never could rejoice when his enemies fell. Only such a person is able, is on the level that he can make such a bracha. It's just like, who's really able to say muster to another person? Who could, who could talk tough, sternly to another person? Only if you really love that person. If you don't really love that person and you give them muster, they're not going to accept it properly. Because it's just, you know, I don't like that person too much, so I'm talking against them. When you really, who can really, who can really criticize? And that, that that criticism should be helpful is if it's a criticism that comes out of love. You know, if, if, if it's your children, if it's someone that you really care for and you criticize them, they feel the love in your voice. So then the criticism is accepted. Otherwise, it's just neg- negativity. And the same thing is when I'm davening to Hashem to destroy someone, which is what Vilam Hashinim is. That can only be davened by someone who takes no personal uh, gain or happiness of the fall of the other. It's just that these are the enemies of Hashem and the enemies of his terrorists, so they have to be destroyed. So that's why it was Dafke Shmuel HaKotan that Rabbi Gamliel was able to commission with writing such a harsh bracha. You know, I, it's, <clears throat> I have a, a like, I always, I think about this in the sense that, um, um, you know, like, um, like, let's say when Hitler and Mashamai was killed or, you know, he committed suicide or they, 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 they were able to prosecute the different Nazis and everything, or like people who have been terrible to us, right? right. So um, if, so on one hand it says you sh- that, you know, if you, we, we should, we're not supposed to rejoice, but on the other hand, we're also not supposed to have Rahmanis because look what happened with Amalek. Right. So it's like a, it's like a double thing right. to me always where, um, you know, when you hear, like, let's say when I hear that Arabs are killed, I'm like, oh, let them just kill each other and leave us alone. And I'm like, if it has to happen, let it be them. Please, Hashem, right? Um, so, 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 like, on one hand, I'm like, I'm thankful that it wasn't us and it was Goyim. But then if you're, but then if you're, if you don't, re- but then if you, not to rejoice, but then you're, you could go the other way and have, then you have the compassion, you're not supposed to have that either. Right. So it's right. like, where, right. where do what we stand? Right. So, so on know? the one hand, there is a concept that enemies and bad people have to be punished, and that's the truth. Right. And there is even a pasuk, Bavoy Rishoyim Rina, which is when Rishoyim, when Rishos, when negativity and wickedness is destroyed, Rina, that's a song for Hashem, that's a positive thing. The issue is when it becomes a bad midah in a person. That I'm looking out for vengeance and I'm looking and I'm happy when that person is suffering and I'm taking um, personal enjoyment in the suffering of another. 
then it becomes a negative midah within the person. In other words, we're supposed to, by nature, be rachmanu. Um, badness has to be destroyed. And Hashem commands that badness should be destroyed. And we should be happy that badness is destroyed. But we have to be careful to retain the sensitivity of being kind people. It shouldn't be a personal thing. I enjoy seeing someone suffer. You know, Hashem's will has to happen. And those who are evil have to be destroyed and will be destroyed. And it's a good thing that they're destroyed. But to, to make sure that that doesn't turn me into being someone who enjoys seeing another suffer or enjoys that concept of hurtfulness. So it's, it's an issue of, it's really what we're talking about here, that some, when it's truly L'Shem Shemayim, then it's 100% okay. When it starts becoming my personal aggression or vengeance and that, that's when it becomes a negative media. I mean, there's plenty of places in Hamish where Hashem is commanding us to destroy without a doubt. the without entire a doubt. town, men, women, children, without a doubt. And animals and cattle and everything, and just e- e- because it's going to be a snare for you or, or whatever reason, right. you know, they're wicked. They're, they're evil must be destroyed. Evil must be destroyed, and that's Hashem's mission to us. Many times we have to we have to be willing to do it, and at the same time we have to retain a, the sensitivity of being kind people. So therefore, Hashem's will has to happen, and when that evil is destroyed, it's a good thing and it's a happy thing. Because Hashem's will happened, and because this is what has to be. But as soon as it becomes me versus them, and I'm bigger, I'm stronger, I can get them, and so on, that's when we're going over a bridge where it becomes something personal, um, and sometimes it's just an expression of a bad mida in my heart. And that's where we have to be concerned. Mm-hmm. Let's do one more idea. We'll, we'll, there's, some, there's a lot of ideas to talk about this middle section of Shmanesri, but we, don't, we have a little more time, so I want to talk about one idea. A very beautiful idea that the Rebbe spoke about in one of the, what became a pretty well-known Fabrengian in 1991 in the parsha of Shoftim. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go one bracha earlier to the bracha of Hoshiva Shoftenu Kvarishona, which is number eight, was it not? Yeah. Number eight of the middle section of brachas is the one about Hoshiva Shoftenu, which we said is the one about the leadership of Klal Yisrael. The Bezdin, the Sanhedrin, right? Remember, after we spoke about um, bringing Klal Yisrael back to Eretz Yisrael, bringing back the ingathering of the exiles, that was Tekah B'Shofer. The next one was Hashiva Shoftenu, which was about having our Bezdin, having our Sanhedrin, our leadership. But it starts off, let's just read the first line of that bracha. Hashiva, Hashem should return, Shoftenu. What does word Shoftenu mean? Uh, our judges, Kivari Shona, the way they were in the beginning. The Yoatzenu, a Yoetz is an advisor, Kivatchila, the way it was initially. So we're asking Hashem to return us our judges and our advisors. Shofet and Yoetz. What's interesting is, if we go back to the Torah and we talk about Parsha Shoftim, which is where we have the mitzvah of appointing judges, how does the Parsha begin? Shoftim ve. Shotrim, titen lacha b'chol she'arecha. Judges and um, police, I'm sorry? Officers, police, enforcers, you should place in all of your um, gates or in all your cities. So the Torah said to have judges and officers. When we daven, we're davening for judges and advisors. So there's a really a double question which is what happened to the officers and where the advisors come from. <laughs> we took out one and we added one. Both the Pasuk and the Davening both starts with the judge. So the judge is in both places. But whereas the Torah talked about a judge 
and an officer. We delete the officers and we add a different category, which is the yoids. So what's going on? That's the question. And the truth of the matter is that this is based on a Navi. The Navi Yishayo, when he talks about the Geula, he says, Vashiva via So really, the Navi already made the uh, difference. He says, I will return the, the judges and the advisors. But so, fine. So Shemona Asri follows the way it is in the Navi. But the question is, why the change? The Pasik said one thing, the Navi said another. In Shemona Asri, we follow the way it is by the Navi. What happened? Why the discrepancy? Why the change? And the answer, the answer is a very beautiful answer. It's a two-part answer. First of all, why don't we talk about the officer? That's the easy one. Because when Mashiach comes, we won't need officers. Because what are officers necessary for? Enforce. To enforce the ruling of the judge. So when do you need enforcement? When there are people who are not listening. But when we're listening. So the judge gives over the word of law, says the word of Torah, and that's done. So you don't need an officer to come and pull out handcuffs and force the person to listen to the judge because we want to do the right thing. So that's the easy part. That the Torah says to, uh, to place, to create judges and officers, because the Torah was talking about for the times of Golos and talking about in an imperfect world. So therefore, even though the judge said he still need officers. But we're talking about, the Navi was talking about Mashiach, and when we're davening, we're, talk, we're davening for Mashiach, then we won't need officers because we'll listen to the judges on our own. That's easy. But where the advisors come from? What's that part all about? And here's where the Rebbe says such a beautiful idea, and this is, this is the point he said. He says, if you think about it, what's the difference between a judge and an advisor? Just think about the two words. You have a judge telling you what to do, you have an advisor telling you what to do. What's the difference? So the judge is talking um, the same language to everyone, and the advisor is making it personal that, that, that it appeals to you. Or Good. The judge is a more general. Or say, use more the, the words of Hasidus, a judge represents one who's talking milamayla lamata. He's a judge, he's official, rule, he tells you what's got to be. It's more about the command, it's about the law, it's about the one who knows, he said the ruling. An advisor is my friend. An advisor doesn't command me what to do. That's the opposite of an advisor. An advisor is the one who I look to as my good friend, who's giving me advice for what to do. So, whereas the judge is my ruler, my teacher, he's my judge, he's the commanding voice. The advisor is the soft voice of my friend who's advising me my best, my, for my best intention. And here, here's, here's the point. When a person looks at Torah and mitzvahs as just judgments from Hashem, statements, commandments, rules, so then... I got to do it, but it's not my own. I don't necessarily feel it to be my best interest. I just have to do it because that's what Hashem said. That's what the Torah said. That's what the mitzvah said. And when it's a judgment coming from above, then sometimes I don't want to do it. And that's when I need the enforcement. I need the officers. But when a person is able to understand that Hashem in the Torah is not just this big judge commandment telling me what to do, He's there to give me the best advice. He's there to help me and to show me what's best for me. So then it's not just I, I must listen because the big Hashem commanded me. I want to listen because I understand this is the best advice for me. It's like my best friend telling me this is the best thing. It will help me. It will make life better for me. 
then it's not something that somebody is commanding me. Then it's what someone's telling me and convincing me is the best thing for me to do. Then I don't need an enforcer. I don't need an officer for me to listen to my best friend. I'm listening to my best friend because my best friend has my best interest in mind and that's what they're telling me. So when Mashiach will come, we'll be able to recognize how everything that the Torah tells us is not a commandment from above merely. Rather, it's a best advice from one who has my best interest in mind. And then, Ataka don't need an officer. Because an officer you only need if it's a commandment. And that's how the Rebbe explained both together. Why we, why we don't talk about the officers and we do talk about the advisors because this is dependent. When we feel and understand how the Torah is the best advice for me, so then I don't need an officer compelling me to do it. When it's only a judgment from above, so then I need an officer to make sure that I listen to what the judge said. And here the Rebbe says something very beautiful and powerful. He says that's what the Rabbeim were for. He says the Rabbeim, the special, especially in these generations before Mashiach, we have the Rebbe's, the Rabbeim. The Rabbeim come to us not just as judges from above, but we're able to feel and recognize how they're, they're talking to us in a language for us to understand how this is our best interest. And by becoming more and more and understanding more and more, how this is only our, our yoyatsin, our advisors who are there advising us and helping us to make the best decisions, that's why ultimately we don't need any shaitrim anymore, we don't need enforcers of the law anymore, and that's why this becomes the nusach that the Navi Yishayo said, that, that it will come a time when there will be judges and advisors, and that's what we're davening for in Shemin Esri when we're talking about the gula that's coming up. So we're asking for these judges and these advisors, and for ultimately, for, for Hashem to be the king over all of us, with kindness, with mercy, with justice, with righteousness, and that is that, um, that eighth, eighth of, the, of the central brachas. Um, again, in the middle of the section of the general, um, the general bakoshes, which started with Tkabah Shefer Gadah. So we'll, we'll conclude with this. Um, next week, Emir Sashem will continue, and then we're going to go back to the beginning of the central brachas. I want to talk about why the first bracha is about das, about knowledge, and then about shuva and slicha. So that's Emir Sashem, what we'll, we'll do a work on next week um, on Monday. Emir so Sashem, you're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.